Hi, I'm Charles Gauthier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. The DVBA is so proud to support this daily podcast series. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe. Welcome to Coping with COVID-19, the daily visual podcast from Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Point, BIB's publisher and editor-in-chief. Uh, we're into our fifth, maybe sixth week now of the most significant shutdown of our economy in memory uh, to deal with the pandemic, of course. And at a local level, uh, it's meant thousands of lost jobs, uh, hundreds, perhaps thousands of even lost businesses that are threatened um, with insolvency or at the very least. Uh, not quite sure about their future, uh, their operations for the foreseeable future. Anyway, uh, a new study out today from the BC Chamber of Commerce and Business Council of British Columbia and Greater Vancouver Board of Trade shed some very worrisome light on this as well. Uh, one in 12 businesses uh, told this survey that they simply won't reopen. Uh, that's not going to happen. And two in five really aren't certain whether they will. So we're likely weeks away still from a gradual reopening of our businesses. And I thought that one of the best people to talk to about what's happening on the ground and what we might be able to expect is Charles Gauthier. Charles runs the uh, Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. Uh, it's been a real uh, ally of ours throughout all this and helping us understand what's been taking place in the community. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kirk. Um, let's start with what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Uh, you know, in general, give us a bit of a, a status report on on the downtown of the city. Well, very much, it's uh, it's deserted. Uh, you know, the images are uh, you know very disturbing, uh, very worrisome for everyone involved, and certainly from uh, a BIA perspective. You know, we spend a lot of time trying to build places where people can gather and encouraging people to come downtown. And frankly, a lot of the work that we do as an organization is about supporting that and getting people uh, to come to festivals and events, uh, to frequent our businesses, uh, and certainly uh, you know, office tenants that are actually there during the day supporting those, uh, those businesses, retailers, restaurants, uh, personal services, businesses like barbershops. And so you know, we've never experienced anything like this before. Yeah. And I think, frankly, we're all scrambling within that short time period, four to six weeks, as to how can we help out as a business organization. I think to a large extent, you know, we've been able to respond to that, but we certainly don't know how to respond to business concerns necessarily in terms of what's going to happen in the near future. Yeah. I mean, there are so many shocks to the system and, and I, I want to walk through some of them with you, but is, is there... Is there a surprise that stands out for you in the way that this is all shaken out? Well, I might be stating the obvious, but I think just the sudden uh, impact that this has had uh, mm. to uh, the business community and how um, broad it is and, and everyone's been impacted by it. I mean, here in the Lower Mainland, we've always talked about being prepared for an earthquake. Uh, no one ever told us, get prepared for a pandemic. Yeah. And I think it's caught a lot of us off guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, um, you know, businesses have said, look, uh, we're, we're going to be taking some steps. We're going to be trying to work our way back and all that. And I, I want to get to that whole point. But, but when you take a look at what we see as a downtown, 
you know, I, I was over on Granville Island on the weekend and I could, I could see as far down the road as possible and not see another individual, right? Is that the way that it's worked out for people that aren't in the downtown right now to know what it looks like? Uh, well, I have to be frank. I, I've been working from home now for four weeks. Yeah. And uh, I'm relying on my team that is still downtown, going downtown. There's a very small number of them going to the office each and every day. And so I rely on them to tell me to a large extent what's going on. I made that decision primarily because um, I thought I might be more effective, more productive working from home during this crisis than actually seeing the boarded up windows or boarded up storefronts. And I think that would have got to me based on what I experienced during the 2011 Stanley Cup riots and how it extremely bothered me. So to some extent, even though emotion does play a big role in what we do and how we react, I wanted to somewhat detach myself from that. And I am being productive at home in terms of of talking about solutions, um, meeting up on Zoom with my colleagues throughout North America and other downtown organizations. Uh, and just learning best practices on the fly, literally. What are they doing that we're not doing? And then to a large extent, uh, validation of what we're doing and we're on the right track. Is Vancouver in a a better place than a lot of other cities? I would think that from a public health perspective, I think BC's done a much better job. Uh, I think those images out of New York and and Italy and other places, uh, I mean, they scare me. I'm sure they scare a lot of people in what oh, they're yeah. seeing in terms of uh, makeshift morgues and uh, and all that comes that comes along with it. Uh, I think we've been spared that, and I, I'm hoping that that will help us in a much quicker recovery going forward. Yeah. When you talk about working from home, I wonder whether one of the things that we aren't thinking about yet is how many office workers actually just won't come back downtown as frequently. Maybe we'll think about working one or two days from home almost permanently uh, and and not finding that their productivity will sag a bit. If that happens, though, isn't that like almost a double whammy on the businesses that are going to try to reopen and and regenerate? Yes, I think short-term and mid-term, I think we will see that happen. I think... um you know, primarily because of the social distancing that's going to be required as well in office spaces. I know in our situation, we have people uh, sharing spaces that are as small as 200 square feet, Uh and they're not going to be able to achieve that six-foot distance. So we're having internal discussions about how do we do that in the short term, and we may have a rotating schedule of who actually shows up in that particular space, depending on the day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a lot of businesses, and I know some of the building owners have shared some of their materials with us in terms of the, how they're going to deal with this. Um, I think maybe an upside of this is that maybe uh, office tenants will look at having much larger uh, office spaces going forward uh, to perhaps deal with this if it's a recurring uh, situation. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that won't be the case. Uh, so we may see an actual increase in job space requirements going forward. But I think for the short term, I think to answer your question, I think, yes, I think we will, we might see a reduced um, workforce going back downtown and that's further compounded by the also transit services that we're Mm going to see in the next, uh, well, we're seeing now and we're going to likely see till the end of the calendar year. Can you, can you point us along here in, in, in what you are starting to expect 
uh, over the next number of weeks because the, the province's chief health officer, Bonnie Henry, is is being pretty clear now that, that there is some, going to be some resumption of activity by about mid-May. Um, without getting too far ahead of ourselves here, because we're, we're still three or four weeks away from that, uh, what, what would you expect would be the first signs, the first, um, the first forms of activity that we would see into the downtown that we're not seeing today? Uh, I think the return of office workers uh, in a modified uh, version, as I just discussed, uh, one of my staff that is working in the office every day, She's saying that she's starting to see a little bit of a little bit more activity in the downtown area in terms of people on the streets and people in the office buildings. Uh, so I think we'll see that first, and I think that then provides uh, the opportunities for some of our retailers and for some of our restaurants to open up on a much more modified plan. Maybe it's 50% capacity in restaurants. And you remember we saw that for a couple of days um, just prior to St. Patrick's Day. Uh, where movie theaters, for example, were able to remain open, uh, but they could only sell 50% of the seats in each of the theater spaces that they have. So I'm hoping what we'll see is kind of a reverse engineering or taking some steps back to how we all started this. Uh, So I think office workers going back to work on slightly modified schedule, and then we'll see the personal services starting to open up with some of those distancing requirements. We'll see lineups, I think, outside of those businesses. Uh, restaurants, as you know, are already starting to talk about putting into place a plan in terms mm-hmm. of how they're going to reopen uh, with those social distancing uh, requirements in place. So I'm hopeful that by mid-May, uh, we'll start to see much more activity than what we're currently seeing in the downtown area. Yeah. Uh, have you already thought through, I mean, will it mean, you think, masks pretty well everywhere? I think we will see people taking all those additional precautions. Um, Again, some of the building owners and some of the materials that they're sending out to their tenants include things like uh, uh, more hand washing uh, requirements, uh, being more stringent that if employees even have any sign of not feeling well, they should not be coming to work. Uh, And yes, I think uh, PPEs will be more commonplace than prior to this all starting out. Yeah. yeah. You, you spend a lot of your time, obviously, uh, discussing situations with the municipality, with, with a lot of levels of government you're, you're tied into because you are really the, the largest of the business improvement associations that we have. Um, generally speaking, what kind of grade are businesses giving how the governments have handled uh, the, have, the crisis so far? Uh, I think they would uh, describe it, rather than a grade, uh, I think they would describe it as that uh, they've made some very incremental progress, good progress. Uh, but certainly what we're hearing from some of our members and from some of my other colleagues in Vancouver running BIAs is that uh, you know loans uh, are not necessarily the best for all of our businesses. They, if they were grants, a more forgivable portion of those loans, uh, that that would be much more preferable than than what's currently being offered. And I think what we've seen with the federal government is that they've been tinkering with their programs as they've been moving along. And so we're hopeful that um, they could increase uh, the portion of forgivable loan from, you know, 25% to a, a higher percentage uh, going forward. Yeah. The, um, the municipality has had, you know, obviously uh, its own distinct 
approach on this one, uh, the province, the federal government. Have you seen enough alignment here around these various measures that, that there isn't a very big um, crack in any of them that people are sliding into? Or I think the one thing that's still up for discussion is, uh, you know, what kind of commercial rent relief uh, will be provided uh-huh. and, uh, and the details on that. Uh, as a BIA, we represent both building owners and tenants. And so, you know, we have to find a solution that's going to work for both of them. It's going to be a win-win. And what I've heard from commercial building owners is that uh, they've said, uh, give the cash to the tenants and then put that onus and responsibility on them in terms of what they need to pay out. And obviously rent is going to be a component of that. Um, they're not in favor of a program that we've seen in Nova Scotia where there's a guarantee uh, to, to the rent uh, to the building owner. Uh, they would prefer that it be simple. Uh, give the tenant the cash, let, it, let the tenant decide what bills need to be paid. Oh, interesting. I, I wonder, uh, and this is projecting a little far down the road, but very clearly what that study today indicated was you know, one in 12 and who knows how many it'll eventually amount to one in 10, one in eight that just simply won't come back. I I wonder whether given that um, our governments have been uh, extremely generous with uh, it is our money after all, but they've been generous with it. I wonder whether, you you know, you can already foresee the need out somewhat the other side of of COVID-19 and the worst of it. Uh, some kind of program that is going to reattract business because you you could end up with a lot of missing teeth in the downtown as of, you know, September, October, November. Yes. And I think that's where we started thinking about programs. Like how do we address the commercial vacancies that we're going to see at street level? Because I think that's going to be kind of the canary in the coal mine to a large extent. Right. Uh, and, And definitely in the past, we've received a lot of negative comments about, vacancies that are concentrated in a small area. For example, on Gravel Street, you know, at one time we had a high in a six block area of about 30 vacancies. And uh, it does have a negative impact. It obviously has an impact on people's perceptions of how safe that street is. Uh, It also has a negative impact on those businesses that are trying to operate if there are um, vacancies in their particular block. So I think that, you know, I think the challenge will be, can we develop some programs to quickly get those uh, street level vacancies occupied? And maybe it's just on a temporary basis. Maybe there is some kind of property tax relief that's provided to those building owners to incentivize getting something in that space. Uh, so I think the most visible vacancies are going to be the ones that, that we're going to have to address right away. Because they go some distance, as you would know, uh, to... Um defining the identity of not just a neighborhood, but a community. They absolutely do. And, uh, uh, you know, we could, uh, without picking on any particular areas in the city, you know, there are some areas that are really challenged and have had longstanding vacancies. Uh, and then we have other areas that, uh, you know, have done relatively well, um, you know, up, up to recently. So they definitely do that. I mean, it, uh, it has a negative impact in terms of, uh, attracting commercial office tenants to an area if there isn't any kind of street level uh, commerce that's available. Uh, It has impacts on the kind of work that we do in terms of uh, bringing people to those areas Mm -hmm. uh, for festivals and events. 
Uh, so it does have a, a number of uh, repercussions going forward. So I would absolutely agree that for us, that's going to be job one is how do we address the vacancies on our commercial streets? Because can you yet anticipate, Charles, uh, any amenities that might be crucial to day-to-day to -day commerce that might be missing when we come back out of this a little bit? Uh, yeah, restaurants, uh, you know, that are going to cater to the office tenants, uh, office workers that are coming back. Uh, you know, that is the appeal uh, of the downtown is that, uh, you know, we have you know, a good selection of restaurants. Uh, we have a good selection of, uh, of retailers. And, uh, you know, we often hear from the commercial building owners that uh, one of the main uh, reasons that they're able to attract tenants to the downtown is because of our good transit system. Mm -hmm. You know, if that particular uh, infrastructure is not functioning well or subpar, it is going to have a negative impact on our ability to move forward. Yeah, I wonder uh, one other area, and that that just has to do with uh, the overall uh, public spaces. I mean, you know, very much the the downtown Vancouver BIA was was a supporter of what was created uh, off you know off the uh, the, the art gallery uh, building and and that kind of great public space and all that. Um, might we see those places just? dry up for a time where they're, they're not, you know, they're not the meeting places any longer where we don't have the equivalent of a town square for some time? Well, the, the one advantage of the uh, Vancouver Art Gallery front plaza is that it is a large space and uh, we're looking at some opportunities that we can actually do some programming in there, but on a much smaller scale, respecting the social distancing requirements. Uh -huh. um, but certainly uh, all our festivals and events that would have taken place this year within the downtown that we were sponsoring. So things like the jazz festival, you know, that's not going to happen. And that's yeah, all those, all those public uh, yeah. free, free concerts, right? Yeah. And that, you know, that was part of our, that was one of the tools in our toolkit to bring people downtown is uh, based on surveys that we've done in the past of uh, lower mainland residents is that other than work, one of the main reasons they come downtown is for entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that includes the free festivals and events, it includes the VSO, it includes what's happening at the Queenie Theatre. This is, uh, this pandemic uh, is, has delivered a body blow uh, to what's going to happen downtown, and it's going to have a ripple effect on the success of our retailers and our restaurants up until all those things start to come back together in some kind of... Uh, assemblage of what it looked like before, maybe not to the same extent. Uh, so we are challenged in terms of how we're going to deliver our placemaking programs this year and how we're actually going to bring people downtown if we don't have festivals and events happening. Yeah, in, in looking also at the emotional trajectory we've been on here, right? We've been, we've been really essentially shut down now for going on six weeks as a community. And uh, I think expecting that probably another three, two, three, four weeks, it'll feel this way too. Uh, when you take a look at the vibrancy of the downtown and how essential that is to, uh, to basically our outlook around it, because it, it affects certainly the dynamic of the community. If you can't have these large gatherings, you know, if you can't do these kinds of fun things in the community for large groups of people, where do you where do you think we get the restoration of our um, emotional well-being 
from it. Any ideas? Yeah, you're, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> um, Try to be one know, I, in a minute, though, if you can. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, one example that comes to mind is this mural project that we're doing with the Vancouver Mural Fest. Uh, I think that is having a positive, like art, uh, music, uh, even if we have to do it virtually for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's going to be really critical to our mental health. Uh, you know, the Zoom meetings uh, and the virtual stuff is, is going to work for a while, but I think we're going to want to slowly reintroduce people uh, in a safe way to coming back to the downtown and enjoying uh, live events, uh, but on a much smaller scale. So I'm talking to my team about how can we do, for example, I said earlier, what can we do on the front plaza of the Vancouver Art Gallery that's going to be safe and provide the social distancing that we're going to have to do for a while? And uh, hopefully, in our case, we'll be able to activate some of our placemaking projects, like our laneway transformations uh, that we were planning to do this year. And then people can come and enjoy that, you know, by coming to tour those back lanes, uh, but doing so at a safe distance. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you. It's, it's having an emotional toll on all of us. Uh, and um, it'll be interesting to see how long we're going to be able to tolerate uh, the current measures that are in place before we all rebel. Yeah. And, and, and start doing things, even though we know perhaps it's not in our best interest to do that. That must be why we are starting to hear some things from, uh, from authorities about relief being on the way around all these measures. I mean, because there must be an anticipation that we're all going to go squirrely otherwise. Yeah, and it's our peak time of the year to be out there and enjoying public space, right? It's... Uh, if we lose our summer and we've already lost our festivals and events of large sizes, uh, we're going to need something to be able to, uh, to reconnect with people. And again, we're looking at what can we do on, on a small scale size going forward. And then we have, as you know, the restaurants are looking at that. We have retailers that are looking at how can they reopen and operate to the same extent that grocery stores and pharmacies are operating by allowing a certain number of people in the stores and taking all those precautions. Um, I mean, I think that these are going to be changes that we're going to have to live with uh, to some extent uh, for, for a duration of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you have a sense of what that duration looks like? Is it a year, do you think? A couple of years where, where we're just not going, our psyches will not necessarily trust that we're out of, that, out of the woods yet? Yeah, I don't want to hazard a guess of how long. I mean, my, my hope is that it's not beyond this calendar year. Mm. Um, you know, I know for myself, uh, some of the trips that I had booked, both personally and business-wise, included international travel. Those are not going to happen for me. Mm. Um, and I think it's just peace of mind. Like, why would I want to get stranded in, a, in, a, in another country uh, and spend two weeks in isolation when I arrived to South Africa, as an example? That's not how I want to spend my vacation. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm making some decisions right up until the end of the calendar year. I don't, I don't want to think beyond, uh, beyond that at this point. Yeah. Well, we may essentially get to really enjoy beautiful British Columbia in a, in a way that we're almost <laughs> compelled to. Yes. I think there'll be a lot of BC vacations and maybe Canada wide vacations this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that, uh, the tourism and hospitality, uh, group that I'm working on and serving on is very much thinking about local, regional, provincial, national, international, 
in a, a kind of a staged approach. Uh, they're not talking international uh, for this calendar year, uh, but certainly they're planning on uh, local and regional uh, for this summer and potentially nationwide in the fall. Yeah. Well, let's keep in touch. Let's uh, let's keep a bit of a status report from time to time on what's going on. We know we're a long way away from uh, not talking about this for very much longer. It would be nice, though, to talk about some other things at some point. Yes, and I, I think that um, uh, I, too, am looking forward to having discussions about other than COVID-19. Uh, but I think it is changing and will change uh, yeah. how we operate going forward. Yeah. Charles, always good to talk to you. Thanks a lot for your help today. Okay. Thanks, Kirk. Charles Gauthier runs the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. You've been watching Coping with COVID-19. I'm Kirk Point. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll see you next time.